Welcome to the Soccer Podcast, where we talk soccer in Delaware, soccer in the rest of the world, and everything in between. My name is Sebastian. This week, I'm joined here by Dwayne. We're mobile this week, so um, the audio quality isn't as high as it usually is. It's like, it, you know what Sebastian's it reminds me of? Hotel room. Yeah, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of like um, of like the radio shows where someone's calling in, and you know they're calling in, and you're not, they're, not, they're not in the studio with them. Kind of reminds me of that. You're like a correspondent. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. That's 100% calling it from a car. Yeah, let's go with it from that from that standpoint. So um, so yeah, I'm in North Carolina. I'm in I'm in I'm in North Carolina for the second part of my B course this week. Um so so far it's been uh parts of it have been good, parts of it have been very difficult. Um, which is ultimately what you expect or would want, but but yeah, overall, I'm enjoying myself. Um, yeah, it, it hasn't been it hasn't been too bad. Hopefully, you know, get a big project due in a couple of weeks, so I got to make sure I get that done in time, and, and hopefully, then figure out if we pass or not. It's been a long process. How is your week going, Dwayne? My week's going well. Um, I've had the practice turf, or I've had the stadium turf filled at a dozen of myself for two days in a row. Trying okay. to make it a third, being selfish. It's lovely having two goals and being able to run your sessions, but uh, I, I don't think you're gonna get that. I don't coming. think you're gonna get that today. I'm gonna get it today. Um, no, you're not. Just got some. Just gonna got some maneuvering and grooving to do. <laughs> um. Now it's going well. You know, I'm, I got a tournament scheduled for this weekend with the 2007 boys up in Lancaster. Um, so looking forward to that. Um, and we got the Reading Rage coming up next weekend. It's just the thick of the season right now. Everything is just like yeah, it's boom, 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 boom. Yeah, a lot going on for sure. Um, last game for Odessa coming up on Tuesday. Um, we're we're having we're making it a girls. Like a girls club night, or we're making a club night, not just girls night. We're making a club night, so inviting all the all the teams, all the players, all the families to to come out and support the Odessa girls soccer team as they play Brandywine on Tuesday at six thirty, uh, in our Be Positive Foundation game. So that'll be that'll be fun. It'll be a good way for for the for Delaware Union to kind of show support to Odessa since we've been able to train at those fields for the last for the for throughout the spring. So it's a good way to. To say things, you know. Yeah, um, I'm gonna have to dig out my Be Positive shirt, see if it still fits from high school. Oh, you, you guys doing the shirts and jerseys? Yeah, we're going. Yeah, we're going we used to. Um, <laughs> we every year we played Archmere in the Be Positive game. Um, at the end of the season, so we all got shirts. Um, I think they're blue. Um, and we would just play in those instead of our jerseys. It was pretty cool. Well, we'll we'll still play in our jerseys because we have to, but we will. The the girls will wear them during the warm up. Gotcha. Now these were our jerseys for the games. Keep them. Yeah. So, no. Overall, overall excited for the for the opportunity to play a night game, um, and then we'll see after that if you know potentially make the playoffs or not. So looking forward to it. So looking forward to it. But we gotta get that right. sound by the Jim Morrison. Oh. 
<laughs> so, um, all right. So we got an interview today. We have one of our last interviews that we recorded back in back in January in the convention. Uh, we are we we got an interview with Art Hernandez um, as he talks about um, the Latino coaches uh, advocacy group. So we'll we'll listen to that. We're we're here at the uh, at the podcast row back again second day of the podcast row third day of podcast row third day of podcast row we were here Wednesday right yeah we didn't really record anything though but I mean yeah fair enough we're going strong we're going strong we're going strong All right, Art Hernandez is here Uh, he's the development academy director at uh, Lower Marion Soccer Club uh, right down the street from us he's been on our podcast before he has his own podcast Uh, he's got multiple podcasts he's uh, he's presenting um, at the convention. Art, how are you? Good, how are you? Thanks for having me here. Good. So, uh, tell us a little bit about your, your presentation. Yeah, so uh, tonight, or later today at 1.30, um, I'm going to be presenting along with uh, Mauricio, who is the Latino Coaches Advocacy Group Chair, and Cynthia Cervantes, who is a, a group member, like myself. And we're going to present on the member benefits of having a United Coaches membership. Um, I, you know, we believe that, uh, especially in the Latino community, a lot of those benefits go unused, yep. right? And if you don't know what those benefits are, then they're going to continue to go unused. So we're going to talk about um, how we've personally benefited from those benefits, how to make the most out of um, the, the convention, how to make the most out of um, even like the foundation money that's available to us and coaching education offered by United Soccer Coaches. So we're gonna talk about all that, just trying to make sure that people understand that there's something for everybody. Where do you think, where do you think since you've been part of the association, where do you think that's grown? I, I think for me, um, the different, I think it's grown in the different ways that they're trying to outreach the communities. I think, um, first of all, uh, the decision to, to go to five cities and one of those cities to be in Southern California, whether it's LA or it's San Diego or, you know, Southern California-ish, um, that speaks volumes to wanting to integrate different communities and different uh, parts of the country um, into the association. And from that perspective, I believe that um, that's the first step, yeah, putting putting the, the convention in the community's backyard. So if we can do that, show up, and then when we do have them in, in the room and we have them in the convention, and now expose everybody to what we do offer, then that's, um, I think that in the last couple of years is where United Soccer Coaches has gotten it right. I think, you know, I, I've, been in the, I've been in the convention, this is my sixth or seventh year in the convention, and, and since, I've, since I've started coming here, one thing that I noticed, and this is, this is something that I take a lot of pride in when I see it, is that there are a lot of uh, Latino coaches that are coming in here to present. I noticed that. I noticed that as well. And some of them are affiliated with the group. Some of them are not. Um, the, you know, you don't have to be affiliated to the group to present. You know, um, but also being part of the group doesn't mean you're you're gonna get to present, right? Um, I, I think part of part of the magic is everybody finding their own path, and the different value that everybody brings. Um, everybody's an expert at at, at a different at different topics, and um, seeing so many different. Latinos not only present on the field, but in session topics about, um, you know, mental strength or tactical organization and then doing stuff on the field as well. 
um, just shows how as a community, not that we've grown, like we've always had that talent. Yeah. Now it's just um, being showcased and broadcasted on a, on a bigger scale. Well, and the other part of it is too, is like there's even the international presenters coming in yes. from, from yeah. different countries. And I think that's a big part of it. So, so the diversity of the, of the people presenting is there, but I think it also gives a voice to, to so, you know, I, I I enjoy the fact that there are Argentinians that are here presenting part of futsal, right? Argentina yep. is grown tremendously when it comes, when it comes to futsal, um, but it's it's one of those things that it's almost valued more outside of the country than within the country. Um, so Argentina went to the World Cup final this year, yep. uh, lost in the final, and it, the game was televised in Argentina, but it wasn't a big deal. Like there, there was some some publicity with it, but it wasn't a huge deal. And, and when when I heard some of the interviews with the players, they're like, "We just want to bring awareness to it because everybody just thinks we're to a certain extent, quote unquote, failed failed eleven v eleven players." Right. And it's not. It's a no. completely different game. It's a completely different game. Completely. But but I think there's that. You know, there's there's a subculture. To a certain extent, in in, in other countries, um, but even more in South America too, of like beach soccer. Yes, beach soccer is 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 huge in in South America and all over the world, right? Um, then you got then you got uh, you got um, soccer for blind people. It's, You're right. It's massive. Paralympics, yeah. Yeah, as well. Yeah, you got 11 v 11. Like Argentina was just talking about this. I just read this. They got 11 v 11 soccer yeah and then because it was always been 5v5 or 6v6 so there's there's a whole subculture of it that i think in the states it hasn't been fully seen yet right but i think it's it's getting there so where do you think um as a as an advocate yourself like where where are we going where where are we heading with with all this <laughs> it's it's funny i just came from a uh, futsal session yeah and um so Keith Tozer, you know, we were just all discussing this about how um, the, the first step is there, there's going to there's a movement towards a professional futsal league in the states. Yeah. It hasn't panned out. Um, there's a, there's major indoor soccer yeah. arena, which is a little different than futsal. Not a little different. It's very different. It's a different sport. Um, but um, there's a men's national futsal team. Yep. We're looking to create a women's futsal team as well. Because um, that's going to integrate more players, right? And if we can do that, then hopefully now we can go to like the Olympic Committee and make it an Olympic sport. That would be awesome. And so, so, and, and again, those are little things that if the right people are advocating for it, like for example, um, Keith was just mentioning that Mark Cuban is involved in trying to bring in the, the professional indoor league, right? So when you have someone like him who has a track record of successful businesses and successful ventures, um, you know it's only a matter of time before it happens, right? Um, so it, 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 I, it, one of the things that, that we were, you know, the actual session was called um, Soccer Powered by Futsal. It's a book that um, Marcelo Antonelli wrote. Yep. I, I happened to translate it in Spanish. And the concept, it, it, it's not a book that teaches you futsal. It's not a, teach, a book that teaches you soccer. It's a book that teaches you how to teach these concepts um, to 11 v 11 players. You know, one of the things that I know that I do in Eastern Pennsylvania is we go indoor right up to like November, December. Then we go we go outdoor throughout the year. We go indoor December, January, February, March. When we go indoor, a lot of it is futsal. Yeah. Well, 
if you're not a futsal coach, as soon as March hits, you're trying to break the habits that they just learned. Right. <laughs> and you're like, no, nope, we're, we're, we're like, we're outdoor, we're gonna break the habits. That's not what it's about. No. Because if you're teaching the right concepts inside, when you go outside, not only are they going to be okay, they're gonna strive. They're gonna, they're gonna, do, they're gonna fly at you. Um, but it's about having that methodology and having that thought process of, um, this is what I'm gonna implement, this is how I'm gonna teach it, and, and Marcelo does a great job of putting it together, which is why the book was endorsed by Keith and US Youth Futsal. Um, and going back to your international comment, you know, one of the reasons that I translated in Spanish was so we can provide that in Spanish to Latin America. Yeah. Um, so hopefully um, that's something that in the future we have more of. Well, it's, that's, that's really interesting because so I, I love, and I was just making this comment to Dwayne and one of the other coaches earlier this week, I had a session the night before I came out here and and I, I like, I love futsal. I think it's, it's, it's probably from a coaching, from a, like a training standpoint, I love those sessions at times more than I love my outdoor sessions. Yep. Because I do think it's that concept, right? It's that mindset of like, hey, we're gonna receive with the sole of our foot for this purpose of, of control, for example, at the very basic level of futsal, right? Receive with the sole of your foot. But how are we gonna carry that outside, right? Mm -hmm. An attacking touch is an attacking touch, whether you're taking it with the sole of your foot, the inside of your foot, or an outside of your foot, right? right. It's an attacking touch. And how, what's your control going to be within the surface that you have? So it's a really fast surface, then you're gonna need to have, you know, a different kind of different kind of touch. So what I what I like is that we're now introducing the idea that, that you can play soccer pretty much anywhere. Yes. Which I grew up with. Yep. Like, I, I, I grew up with that, and I think in, in most South American countries, most Central, Amer most Central American countries, you grew up in that, in that environment. Most European countries, you grew up in that environment. Most African countries, if you grew up here, it's because, and, and at times, don't get me wrong, I, I do think there's, there's a big, big benefit to the fact that there's a lot of structure. Right. Um, I think coaching education in this country is, from a soccer standpoint, is probably... Um, from what I know of the Argentinian coaching education, it, it, it's, it's more accessible here than in probably more, most other places, okay. right? And soccer, I think, within the country has done a fantastic job of, of, of having, um, having a standard where maybe other sports don't. Correct. So now we're talking about the idea of futsal, right? Where most kids get to play at recess in South American, like I grew up playing playing soccer on a bas on a on a cement surface in recess with a sock, rolled up socks, <laughs> and like water bottles as goals. So like you have to learn ball control by that stuff, right? right. Like that's 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 the that's the that's the concept, right? Those are the reasons why it's peer pressure, right? Don't turn the ball over with your friends. But that's the reason why why they talk about why Maradona, Pelé, and all these players had that touch on the ball is because when you're playing around dirt and, and, and rocks or the or cement or the street or whatever it is, you just figure it out, right? It's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. The surface is uncomfortable and you just have to adapt. You have to adapt, you learn and and, and now you're truly going back to like 
basic technical concepts. And now you're really being able to, you're forced to use inside, outside, sole, back heel, um, all those different parts of the foot, both feet, because um, you don't, you're not in a comfortable situation. You're not in a place where you can stop, you can slow down, and you can't do that. So, um, and, and again, uh, when you go back to street soccer, right, so that's another, you know, you mentioned it earlier, right? We have soccer, you have futsal, you have street soccer, and you have um, beach soccer as well. Yeah. So, and, and by the way, street soccer and futsal, completely different oh, things. 100%. Oh, 100%, yeah. <laughs> completely different things, right? Um, where futsal, there's a lot of structure to it. There's, there's a lot of structure. There's a lot of structure, there's a lot of movements, there's a lot of patterns that are pre-constructed. Not only that, the rules are... And the rules? ...are at times a little complicated, or you just have to learn them, right? But like, there's a lot of, the rules are different. Correct. There's so much less contact in futsal. It, and, and, and again, going, and one of the magic, one of the, the magic of street soccer is the fact that you don't get burned out. Because street soccer is something that you can play 10 minutes today, three hours tomorrow, and then take a day off, and then come back the next day and play the whole day. So there's no burning out from that. Um, And that just creates just an environment of of nothing but learning and openness. So, yeah. So what, um, what, from the Latino Coaches Advocacy Group perspective, um, what's the what's the goal going into the convention? What's the goal getting out of the, going out of the convention? So the goal coming into the convention was simple. Um, I think it was just to make sure that there was representation, that people uh, knew about the group, and um, I'm sure you saw by social media, everything you know, it was out there, much pretty much every day, twice a day. Um, and more than anything, we just wanted to make sure we that people knew we were there, right? And um, I know for me, initial, you know, I've been to the convention for like 10 years, 12 years or something, but I didn't join the group till like four or five years ago. And part of it wasn't that I didn't feel Latino or that I wasn't part of the group. I just didn't know it existed. Right. 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 Um, You know, and I would always come to the convention and it was always fun. But when I finally found this community, it it was, it's just a little different because now, you know, you're, you're surrounded by people that are like-minded that maybe have the same struggles at you as you and um, because we do have coaches um, and, and this applies to any community any whatever uh, we're at all levels yeah. right so um, it makes it a little easier to have those conversations about you know how do I you know how do I go from grassroots to maybe an, uh, an elite club you know and I'm, and I'm, I'm at an elite club I'm a DOC how do I go to a pro academy right because there's many coaches who've done it before. Yeah. But it, sometimes it does take to have somebody look like you to, have, to facilitate those conversations. Yeah, I mean, it definitely it definitely helps. I think, uh, I, I mean, I see it with my daughter, right? Like, we, we uh, when we're watching soccer, we, we'll, we'll watch women's soccer games, like, on yeah. purpose. And then she'll just turn around and be like, oh, that girl has the same ponytail that I do, or, or something like that. And you're just like, all right, like that. You know that that tells you that you can you can do that right. Yeah. You can you can get there. If all we watch right, if all I watch is the premieres the Premier League, she doesn't see herself represented there. Exactly. And that's I think that's the hardest part, and I think that's the part where, you know, we we from a Latino standpoint, you know, we there's a lot of coaches that that have you know Hispanic Latino backgrounds that are in the MLS and internationally uh, all over the place, but. Having said that, I think at times there's a little bit of a barrier um, 
So when you look at you look at a Bielsa or Mar or or Tata Martino or certain coaches that that you know the the stereotypical like well uh, yes as a translator right yeah because he doesn't <laughs> right. speak and, and I think you know some of the things that are that are going on in the in the Hispanic countries right now is that the kids are being taught English for example yeah. at the at the youth level yep right so that way they're prepared because not because they might be coaches but because if they have to travel internationally for a tournament they gotta be able to communicate right right so, so I think there's a lot of there's a lot there's a lot of positives going on in the world right that I think we're heading in the right direction. Um, all right, so Art, before you go, tell us about your other podcast that you do, because you're also a podcast yourself. So, Yeah, so um, through the association, through the networking that I've done here over the last couple of years, um, I've actually gotten involved in a couple of different projects. Um, you know, one of, the, one of the original podcasts that I created was the Latino Coaches Podcast. Um, that's available on SoundCloud, and um, we're going to... We're after the convention. We're gonna to look to start um, start putting out some new episodes. We already have content. We just have to make sure that we time it and and we're consistent with what we're putting out. Um, so when we start to build that library up, we'll certainly restart it up. Um, and so that's on SoundCloud. And the other one is um, the other project that I'm involved with is the United Goalkeeping Alliance. Yep. And. Um, that is a virtual learning platform for goalkeepers and what we do there is basically we have a network of like 80 to 90 goalkeeper coaches and trainers from all over the we say the US but really the world that um, come in provide value and we do um, presentations three times a month uh, basically covering all aspects of um, goalkeeping you know technical tactical psychosocial um, and um, it's something that is growing. Uh, Florida ODP just joined. Uh, Alabama ODP. I know we also have connections with New Jersey ODP. Um, um, there's a couple of different clubs that have started to join as well. There's a lot of individual people who have um, looked to, to us for for some supplemental sessions and stuff like that. So um, it's something definitely that I, that I believed in from the start because. Um, and from my perspective, the goalkeeper role has always, not only that it's been neglected, um, you know, because like for example, right, not everybody has the luxury of having assistant goalkeeper coaches or, yeah. or to know how to train a goalkeeper, but um, just the fact. But we all need them. We we all need them, right? And, and oh, it's absolutely. very, <laughs> and it's very easy to to say, okay, well, you're in goal, wipe your hands, and be like, done. You know, one less problem. Um, but now, how do we keep that player engaged and how do we develop them? Um, and the UGKA um, does a good job of providing that information to the players and the coaches. Awesome. Need well, it. Need it. Well, now that, let's talk about it from a futsal standpoint. Futsal goalkeepers international don't wear gloves. So, so it, it, it's funny that, that you say that again. Um, and and it's and we actually just had that in December. We actually had that topic in December because it is indoor, and um, I, I, we were looking at how you take those concepts from the outdoor to the inside, inside, outside. And luckily, we have uh, three players from the MASL: uh, Matt Perella, um, William Vanzella, and oh, yeah, he's gonna kill me. Um, and we have another gentleman also who. Um, who are pro professional goalkeepers in the MASL, but they they played college ball. 
they played college ball, but making that transition indoor uh, was natural to them because of the transfer of techniques. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. awesome. Well, Art, thanks so much for stopping by. No we, problem. We really appreciate it. Make sure you go check out all of Art's podcasts that he does. Uh, make sure you follow him on social media. He's big on social media. <laughs> yeah, where can we find you on social media? So social media, um, Instagram, um, at coach, uh, it's Coach Art Twenty Two on Instagram. You can hit me up there, um, and I believe Coach underscore Art on Twitter. There you go. Perfect. Go follow Art. He'll keep you up there with what he's doing. With Laura Marion. Um, Get some goalkeeper tips. I, I know I'm gonna go find some goalkeeper tips. I know you need them. You, <laughs> definitely, you I, I, definitely need them. The Hood Goalkeeper uh, Academy is shut down. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, Art. Thank you, guys. All right, we're back. Um, Sort of a kind of a quick, a little bit of a quick episode today in the sense that uh, we only have really two things to talk about. Um, the U17 women's national team that we've been tracking um, ended up winning the CONCACAF uh, U17 championship. So they hey. and they beat they beat Canada three nothing in the semifinal. And then uh, that was last Friday. That was when we recorded the podcast. And then they played Mexico on Sunday and ended up winning two nothing. Or sorry, two to one. So, so overall, a very very good good job for the uh, under seventeen women's national team, which disqualifies them, I believe, for the under seventeen World Cup, which is in India. Um, so. It, you know, really, ultimately, really good job. What's interesting, the fact that it's in India. Yeah, yeah, it'll be it'll be this this year, October. It'll be in October this year. So, so the U.S. is in. Um, and then the other thing we wanted to talk about was what happened with UEFA. So you What's sent this to me. Yeah, you sent this to me. So. Um, this is basically going to be starting in 2024-2025. So the Champions League is going to change its format. Um, so now they're going to be playing different matches in a bigger group stage and something like that, right? Did, did you follow us? Yes. So basically, they've added six teams. Um, they've added six teams to the to the um, the pool. Pinsley winners. No, sorry, the, four teams. Four they're teams. They're all going to going from thirty-two to thirty-six. Thirty-two. Sorry, sorry. Okay, yes, thirty-two to thirty-six. They've added four teams. So now each team will play eight games total. Right. Mm-hmm. There's no. So there's no um, groups anymore. Right. You play eight games total, four home, four away. The top eight teams move into the round of 16 at the end of that. The next 16 teams, right? I think that's right. 16 teams, eight to 24, or nine to 24, will play a two-legged playoff to secure the next eight spots. So that gives you your round of 16. So if you finish 25th through 30 through uh, 36, you're eliminated. 
If you finish ninth through 24th, you have a chance to make the playoff two-legged, I guess, round of two, or two-legged playoff to go to the round of 16. Um, um, the Europa League is also increasing their teams and they'll be going to 36 teams and so will the Europa Conference League. So pretty good for Europe. I mean, now you're looking at a total of, what is that, 108 teams now playing, you know, tournament-style football. I think part of this is to combat the uh, breakaway UEFA Super, Super League that they were coming up with. So now they're increasing it. You know, 104 teams get a chance to make the tournament. Um, it opens it up. It allows some, you know, smaller countries, lesser teams to have a better chance of making a run at things. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. So, and then, and then it's, so they're adding the four new places get added by uh, one place will go to the club ranked third in the championship association. Um according to the UEFA rankings, one will be the domestic champion. Um, so that's extending it from four to five. Um, and then the other ones will be the best performance in their previous season in the Champions League. I don't, yeah, I don't know. It's, it seems very convoluted. Um, it all is once we see the, I think once we see the, once we see these teams, like, who these teams are, I think we'll have a better idea who it is. I mean, yeah, right? but I like, think we've also we, all, we've talked about it before. We've talked, well, and I think Mike Barricaro was on the on the podcast before about it. Like, it just seems like it's just a way to just continue to sell TV rights, one way or another. You know, um, I, I yeah, I don't understand. I don't I don't get really? what this is providing differently. All right, so this is a way for a lesser team that had a maybe an off year or didn't do as great to still have a chance to make this, you know, the Champions League or, you know, in, in my Europa experience, League and still be on TV. Like, yes. In my experience from South American soccer, what ends up happening is maybe it happens a little less because of the FIFA fair play that you have in Europe. But um, what ends up happening is these clubs that make these competitions that weren't prepared for realistically prepared to make it, they go out and spend money that they don't have in order to buy or make some sort of a signing or something or multiple signings in order to get whatever it is that they need to get in order to be competitive. And then you end up not making it competitive. So you end up losing in the first round or whatever it is. And then you can't afford to pay your players because you're, I don't know. I think it's going to create, some sort of issue somewhere down the line. Um, we might not see it, the issue being like immediate, but in the foreseeable future, it could be an issue, I think. Um, and then what's going to happen with these bigger clubs, right? You just made it made it that much more competitive. So now, yeah, I, I don't know. It's going to be, it'll be an interesting scenario. I don't know that it's going to play out the way they expect it to play out. Hey, you got clubs now. That just won the Champions League. That can't play their that can't pay their players, and their players are leaving. 
So there you go. I mean, you're already seeing it, right? How many people are leaving on free transfers? Um, it, it's you're you're already yeah, seeing Rudiger, it. Rudiger's leaving now because Rudiger's leaving now because I, I mean, I, yeah, I haven't seen anything about how Chelsea's surviving right now, but I mean, they just got bought. But you know, Rudiger was already leaving as soon as they were like, "Hey, look, yeah. look we can't offer you the contract that we." Want yeah, I mean, what happened? To, what happened to Barcelona, right? You couldn't sign Messi because you literally couldn't afford to pay his contract. Hey, now they got a surplus of players. Yeah, but you had to bring him now in. They got a surplus like, of people, players. Yeah, but people had to people had to take pay cuts and all this other stuff. So now you're jeopardizing your players that you already have. You got a 38 year old Danny Alves. And you bring in Danny Alves, yeah. So it'll definitely be an interesting dynamic. Um, all right, well, we're going to move on to the player of the match. Um, uh, I'm going to go first. Uh, my player of the match goes out to Mike Barricaro for, for coaching the 2010 girls on Tuesday night. So he, he came out and, and coached our 2012, 2010 girls team while I was away. Uh, so big shout out to Mike for, for stepping in and helping out. Is, here's a question. Is he coming back? Um, he said he had Is fun. Is he coming back for more? He said he had fun. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what that means. I don't know if that's good or bad, but he said he had fun. He did not tell me he hated it. It's always funny when you have another coach. It's always funny when you have another coach come in and be the substitute teacher for substitute coach for the day. Yeah. Because you just never know what the response is going to be. For sure. Yeah. Well, they get Coach Chad tonight. So we kind of know what the response is going to be there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we know. Um, I'm going to stop by. I'm going to stop by. That's yeah. There you go. Perfect. Um, who's your player of the match? My player of the match, I mean, got saw the game yesterday. Kevin De Bruyne, four goals. His master class. One of the best in the world, probably the best in the world right now. Just, I think he's, I think he's underrated because I mean he's not at number nine, he's not scoring the goals all the time, but just the way he drives Man City, and then like the performance yesterday, just over the top. So Kevin De Bruyne, world class player. Fair. Now getting to play against a really world class player with Erling Haaland. Haaland yeah. that's coming over from Dortmund. So he's. We got to remember we we've kind of lost track a little bit of Holland because of some injuries and things like that. But he was one of the players that we've constantly talked about at the beginning of the podcast when we started recording. If you remember that, talk about him. Yeah, remember we talked about him when in the. I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be an adjustment period. What's going to be a different style? Coming to Man City is going to be a little bit of an adjustment, you know, coming over to. Uh, so he's just going to come out and get buckets, and hopefully he gets adjusted to the rain. <laughs> okay, that, that works. But it always rains. It's always raining in. Uh, always rains in England. There you go. Um, all right, on this day in history, uh, May thirteenth, nineteen ninety seven, uh, Sunderland played their last match at Roker Park. Uh, when they beat Liverpool in a friendly, uh, John Mullen scored the last goal in the old grounds. Um, 99 years 
Um, so September 10th, 19 or 1898 was the first time they played at Roker Park. So, um, and that was against Liverpool as well. So they closed out the stadium against Liverpool before they moved to their new stadium, which is the Stadium of Light. Right? What it is? Um, the stadium. I heard they're renaming it after a famous American player. Who? Josie Altador. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Stadium of Light. We chat at the Sunday. Do you never watch? Do you never watch the Sunderland? Uh, Sunderland Till I Die on Netflix. Make sure you check it out. It's a it's a really cool documentary or series. Um, as they went from being in the Premier League to then going down to the to League One in a matter of two years, um, and now they're in the promotional playoffs final, uh, playing Wycombe um on saturday so or next saturday so hopefully they maybe they get back up the championship you try to get josie as go back to Sunderland. you trying to get josie as to go back to Sunderland. the josie out the door effect yeah there you go i think that's what, i think that's the next step is here um all right fair play of the week my fair play of the week is going to go out to the nance and Nice, um, like administrators and like leadership and coaches and things like that, because something really messed up happened. Um, Nans is playing Nice, and Nice were mocking uh, the Nice fans. Sorry, I should say, I should clarify. The Nice fans were mocking Emiliano Sala, who's a player that passed away um, in January. Plane crash, right? Yeah, in January 2019. Yeah. Um, so those, they were mocking him, like they were mocking, like they were doing some really, really inappropriate chants. Um, so the club made a statement, um, and they commended obviously what ended up happening, what happening with the, with the, with those fans. Um, so, you know, you know, obviously they, they're going to want to figure out who those people were. Uh, but it's good that they're stepping up and, and, and taking responsibility or the, the club is at least the knees club is, is taking responsibility and addressing it as, as much as, as quickly as possible. So, um, so good for them. Um, Duane, who's your fair play of the week? Fair play of the week, man. We haven't talked about this guy in a while, Ricky Pooch. Um, Ricky, for just Ricky being, played half the game. Ricky, for just, for just being, you know, just being consistently consistent, you know, staying the course. When his number's called, he comes in, he always gives a world-class performance, even though, you know, he was on a trajectory to get more playing time than he probably is, should have been now. But, um, you know, just staying the course, when he's called on, he steps in. He always tries to play his best and just, he just tries to be the best that he can be. Um, even though the situation doesn't really, you know, help him out anytime because he's, he's, you know, the sixth, he's the sixth string, like, center mid they have. Yeah. They only call it when someone's hurt, injured, or suspended. Yeah. Um, so, no, good for Ricky. Hopefully, one with one full preseason under Xavi, they'll, they'll be able, he'll be able to get back. He'll be able to get himself in there. As long as he Hopefully. keeps taking pay cuts, I think he'll be a Barcelona player for life. There you go. He might. There you go. Um, all right. Well, make sure you follow us on social media, facebook.com slash Delorean on Instagram at Delorean Soccer. Of course, follow the podcast at DE Soccer Podcast. Follow the Diamonds, D Union Diamonds on Facebook and Instagram. 
the next time we talk, we will have our first session of the diamonds under our belts, Dwayne. How exciting is that? We're already starting. Yeah, we're already starting next week. So, so really exciting stuff. Juggling three uh, teams in one. That's right. That's right. Well, thanks for joining us this week. And remember, always receive the ball on your front foot.